Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Yeah, just building a runway here. How many shows have we recorded this week, Ben? Between Greatest Gen, Greatest Discovery, and Friendly Fire, I believe this is our fifth or sixth podcast that we are recording within a five-day stretch. I don't want to jinx it, but a a point of pride for me and you, I know, is that we've never missed a release date of a show. Yeah. The show always comes out on time. We're the real, like, Mussolini of Star Mm -hmm. Trek podcasts. (laughs) It's the one thing you can count on. It's all in the the walk. It's in the way we walk (laughs) and hold our chests out just so. Yeah. And so uh, you and I are going to be, there's going to be some scattered travel coming up for us. And so what better way to use our time than... uh, record a bunch of eps yeah we got to uh we got to get the we got to build the train the train tracks out ahead of the train (laughs) that's the order (laughs) as we are riding in the train Mm -hmm. it's all about laying down track who's the railroad worker that had a spike go through his head and then it changed his his personality i feel like we're that guy yeah we're we're whoever whoever that is that you're talking about no this this is like a famous story in psychology like uh, he was a normal guy i learned about this in college oh i've never learned anything about this about psychology i'm just the subject of it (laughs) phineas p gage you recognize that name don't you Oh, yeah, he's the man for whom your favorite submarine game is named. <laughs> yeah, I, I one day want my uh, Gage's video game to be signed by Phineas Gage. <laughs> yeah, he was a railroad construction guy that got an iron rod completely through his forehead. Wow. And uh, it destroyed his frontal lobe, and mm. uh, it, it changed his behavior and personality forever afterwards. See, that's just like us. Speaking of construction, Adam... Something big started today that what? I think will excite the people. Wow. You recognize that sound well, from your childhood? I know. Uh, that That's great Foley work, Ben. It sounds like a bag of glass. <laughs> it's a bag of Legos. Wow. I you start, started. I started the Falcon. That's great. Just opening the box took quite a bit of doing (laughs) the box weighs like 35 pounds it's huge yeah it's the size of a mini fridge and it has (laughs) four sub boxes inside of it that are each full of about 30 packets of of legos but and they're like numbered which is very helpful except for some of them aren't numbered which is maddening is it an elegant unboxing situation like an apple product uh, designed in california i think that they kind of got the got like thirty percent of the way there, and then we're like, "Fuck it, throw a bunch of plastic bags in a box." Because <laughs> um, like they're they're like the the numbered bags are totally out of order within the smaller inner boxes. Like there's one box with like bags fourteen six seven four six seven three two one four seven six and two. It it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, and also like there are a number of number one bags. <laughs> Is there a crudely written note inside that's like, hey, rich dad, <laughs> fuck you, good luck? Uh, <laughs> no, but um, 
the number one step, like one of the bags does not have the number one on it, and you just wow. have to figure out that the pieces that it's referring to are in this other unnumbered bag. Jeez. Um, also, the book with the instructions for building this thing is just shy of 500 pages long. What the fuck? Full, 500 full-color pages. It's spiral-bound. Like Whoa, so it lays flat. That's good. Yeah, it, it, it lays flat, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try and document as much of the build as I can with my little, um, my little Osmo camera so that, uh, so that we can see it all come together in the end. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, how many pieces have you connected to other pieces, would you say? Like, has it even started, or are you just yeah. laying stuff out on the table phase? I have, like, a... I think this is going to be kind of probably the central spine of the ship or or something like that that mm-hmm. you, that you start building and it just looks like a big letter T right now. It's maybe 30 pieces so far. I mean like this I feel like this box may contain as many Legos as I ever had as a kid. Whoa. It's it is a just stupefying number of parts and if it wasn't numbered the build would probably take 25 times as long because it's already like a bit of a hunt to find uh-huh. each individual piece it's telling you to find. Uh-huh. So, uh I I only I only worked on it for half an hour. I got I got the box open and I got a very small initial piece built. <laughs> but uh That had to feel good though. That's great. It was it was really fun. <laughs> wow. Young Ben must be so happy. Yeah, I, I, I've spent a lot of time in therapy recently talking about my inner child, and uh, my inner child is fucking flipping out right now. Hey, man, I'm happy to hear that you're going back. That's good. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not going back yet. I, I, I still haven't gotten the referral from my doctor oh. under my new medical insurance. But oh. speaking of opening boxes, Adam. Oh, yeah. Just a couple of boxes at the P.O. box. I thought I would, uh, because we'll soon be leaving for a little bit i thought i would uh, go clean out the box and so here we have two thought yeah. i'd open them let's do it captain i'm sorry to disturb you i'm receiving a code 47 verify it is code 47 sir start lead emergency frequency captain's eyes only uh our first box is very heavy again i'm always surprised at people who send us heavy boxes due to the cost involved <laughs> Uh, This one looks to be from Matt from the University of Missouri. Let's open it. Whoa. I'm I'm shocked that smart people listen to our show. I was going to say the same thing. What do they like about it? (laughs) I just love kicking back after a day of of teaching uh, smart minds. (laughs) Readying the next generation. I just love kicking back with something, like, just totally brain dead. (laughs) Like, I just like to shut it off. All right, the, this looks to be like a, it's a stack of paper products. There is a note on top. Okay. The note, the note says this, Adam and Ben, I have recently obtained a trove of embarrassing items. I've oh, I marked, love troves. I've marked several choice pages. I hope you can use this stuff on the pod either now through the use of a new segment or a bits, bits, bits thing. Or for a future TOS situation, if you don't get sick of the whole Trek life before then. Whoa. Stay awesome, Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right, let's dig in. What do we What do we have? What is this? This is a fan publication called the Star Canticle. Oh boy, so this is like a fanzine. Oh no. <laughs> 
I gotta Jackie and Lori you a picture of this. This is going to be my next tattoo. <laughs> Some uh, <laughs> uh, uh, This looks to be like some uh, erotic fiction maybe? I don't wow. know. The first picture I saw was a was a Kirk as centaur picture. Yeah. And uh a wow, felt Kirk as centaur. We've got poetry. Uh there's a there's a bookmark in here. Maybe I'll just turn straight to that and see what see what Matt had in mind. Oh, oh my god. Oh no, Ben. Uh there's a there's a pull-out centerfold. And uh Oh no. Oh Jesus. There is a there's a completely nude Spock being tended to by a pants-clad Jim Kirk. I'm going to send that to you now because I don't want to be the only one who can't get this image out of their mind. I'm, I'm about to see Spock's dong. Yeah. Oh, well, his dong is tastefully obscured. Yeah. It's got uh, kind of like a Tom of Finland art style to it, I want to say. Uh, this box is full of magazines like this. Wow. Oh, boy. Um, I... I don't think Matt's wrong. I think this could be its own thing. There is a lot to go through here. Probably more than a mail call could do it justice. But, uh, wow. Thanks, I guess, Matt. (laughs) You certainly wouldn't want this to be found in your home. A lot of questions. We should, like, put a gallery of these up on the internet in case any any of our viewers who are male-attracted want to jack or jill off to to these. (laughs) That's great. Uh, I would love to do that, I, and I and I will. <laughs> All right, uh, this next box, Ben, you will be delighted to know, comes from best friend of the podcast, Bill Tilly. Oh man, he has assured me that you are getting a box of equal value. <laughs> There's an envelope on top. Apparently, Seattle is closer to Ohio than L.A. I don't know what accounts for the uh, the time difference, but... Ben, the uh, letter from our card daddy goes like this. Several months ago, I got access to some equipment that finally allowed me to make the dream a reality. <laughs> I'm sorry these boxes aren't the cool light-up Discovery Pelican cases, but what's inside should make up for it. They contain the complete greatest-gen card collection to date. Damn. TNG, DS9, seasons one through three, donor and special episodes. Whoa. And some chase and tour cards I designed to fill in the gaps. Damn. (laughs) That accounts for its weight. Again, very hefty box here. Yeah, because there's like, what are there, eight cards per episode? It is. It's a box about the size, like if you had to mail a toaster, the dimensions of the box are that big. And it is stuffed with cards. It's a brick. Letter continues, Greatest Gen has changed my life for the better in so many ways, and it makes me happy to know that you'll have an actual physical collection to look back on. Who knows? Maybe someday when you turn around and start over from the beginning, this will be like your memory alpha. (laughs) Hopefully our holographic projections will be discussing that prospect in the McLaughlin Room of Uxbridge Shimoda World Headquarters. (laughs) Have fun looking through these and hiding them from your wives. <laughs> As always, I ride for Greatest Gen, your card daddy, Bill. Oh, man. We don't deserve Bill. Bill's the greatest. There are a lot of individually wrapped parts of this box, but all the collections are are, are in individual cases, so 
and they form puzzles, right? Uh, in in the previous versions that Bill has sent right. us, the card backs turn into the show poster. So the first one I opened was the uh, the Star Trek Generations oh, cool. collection of cards. And so on the front, Bill has done the jokes that he does, which are fucking great. And I can't tell you how great the quality is on this print job. Like, the pictures are crisp. The text looks great. Like, uh, everything's cut, like, professionally. It, it's, yeah. It's amazing. And so we get all the jokes and pictures from the movie on the front. And on the back, the image combines to create the Two Captains, One Nexus tour poster. Damn, and, uh, cool. And that's, like, the level of thought that Bill has put into all of this. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, and then there's, like, you know, baseball card boxes full of of the seasons of the show that we've done and they're in the same quality wow can you uh jackie had learned me a picture of that yeah yeah here we go i don't know what's gonna get me harder the previous pictures or, or this it's just so thoughtful and bill's not wrong right like the I think a long time ago I made peace with the idea that this project was just going to be a thing that we make and it's a thing that people download and like the tangibility of a project like this would always be fleeting like right. like you I'd never feel like there was anything that like we weren't making something real sure <laughs> but uh but Bill has reminded me like you look at a body of work over the years that we've done this and you see what it looks like uh, in person, it's it's really great. That's it's really awesome. cool. Yeah. Really blown away, Bill. Uh, thanks so much for this and uh, really appreciate you over the years. Thanks for being such a great part of the show. Indeed. Well, Adam, do you want to get into uh, the episode for today? Yeah, man. Uh, it's what we're here to do. Let's return, Ben, to what we do best (laughs) Uh, as we discuss Deep Space Nine Season 4, Episode 13, Return to Grace. Do you realize how incredible this is? (laughs) No, of course you don't. Kira has to do uh, something that I've had to do recently, which is go to the travel clinic and get your, your vaccinations for going to... A developing country. That developing country, the Cardassian Empire. I don't want to go. I was under the impression that the hypo spray was a relatively pain-free operation, but evidently, when they come by the dozen, that is uh, <laughs> that is not it. Like it, it hurts, and she's like doing some neck rubbing. The Klingon invasion all but destroyed the Cardassian healthcare system. That seems like a war crime. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> who lets these Cardass, Who lets these Klingons into our country and destroy our socialized health system? We have to go to American shitty system where people pass through the nose and don't get as good of coverage. I mean, what you don't get to see here is the I want to say humanitarian problem, but that's. That's a slur. E- e- in this even case. the name is racist. <laughs> Federation is no more than a Homo sapiens only club. So, is the deal that the Klingons and the Cardassians are kind of at a draw right now? 
it seems more skirmishy than a draw and less hot than a hot war, right? Right. Yeah. It's hard to tell at this point. But uh, but yeah, Kira has been kind of cast as an ambassador. I'm no diplomat. Uh, she's got to go help the Cardassians with some Bajoran intelligence about the Klingons, which is pretty convoluted for this world, right? Like the Klingons are definitely on the outs with the Federation if a Federation right. ally is going to go share a bunch of dirt on the Klingons with the Cardassians. Yeah. This part where Worf makes her read a thing about all the things that she's not supposed to share on this diplomatic mission feels like such a thrown away bit of business. Like yeah. it's, it's almost there only to serve the comedy of Kira needing to throw up after all these shots. Well, I feel like almost every scene with somebody not Kira or Ducat in this episode is a O'Brien's also here kind of right. thing. You know, like we they, can't not put him on screen for exactly a minute. Right. Yeah. So, so I kind of felt like that's why, like, and like the way Worf comes in, it feels like just like a high school play. Like he just like comes in through the scenery and it's like, all right, I'm here. And then like, you know, like that's the kind of part I would always get when I was in the school play. That walk always felt so long too. that walk from side stage, which is like 40 steps to your mark. <laughs> it, why are high school stages so wide? I don't know. It's too much. It's too much. Like, All you're doing is thinking about how weird your walk looks. The ceilings are also so high, so you can't ever like yeah. contain a laugh, you know? They just fly <laughs> off into the rafters. Do you think Kira is a little too specific with how Shakar wooed her into this mission? She really goes and goes. She with, really with gets into it. With being wined and dined, right? I, I liked it. Like, Is it drug-related? I, I kind of feel like this is an enlightened future where... Like, I think male co-workers would get this detailed about a, a dalliance that they uh -huh. had with each other in certain contexts. Sure. And I think female co-workers might as well. But, like, if it's mixed company, it seems like people talk about uh, stuff like this a little bit less. And maybe mm -hmm. maybe they're just groovy and libertine future people that are like, yeah, he gave me a, a you know, he oiled me up and... Whispered sweet nothing is into my ear, and now I'm going on a diplomatic mission to Cardassia. It also seems to me, and you and I have been in committed relationships for a long time, Ben, Yeah, that this is not a thing that a new relationship should be subject to. Like, like Shakar and Kira are, are experiencing that new love yeah. glow, right. where it, it shouldn't take this much manipulation to get her... Uh, to do a diplomatic mission that she doesn't want to do. She should want to do it anyway because it's two weeks in and and two people would kill to make the other person happy after that long, right? Right. So maybe tone it down, Shakar. <laughs> like, leave yourself a little bit of room later on to impress. I mean, I feel like the, the writing in this episode really kind of takes your side on the Shakar issue. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, like he really gets dunked on from afar in this, in this episode. Oh, man. Yeah, I love it. I, <laughs> I live for that. <laughs> it's giving you life. Yeah. Well, Kira is at her quarters packing up her weekender bag when who should walk in but Gul Dukat. Hello, Major. You can't have your back turned to a door on this show and say, come in, and have it not be the last person you want to see. <laughs> That's bad. Gull Tukat has really been going through it, and I say Gull specifically because he's been demoted. Right. It's almost like a country western song that 
He's like, my mother disowned me. My wife left me. I'm no longer the chief military advisor to the Daytopa Council. All I do is gull on a on the Grimal ferry and freight and foreign dignitaries hither and yon. You've really developed into a a great impressionist, Ben. I don't know you, what you, that's an impression of. That 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 impression belongs on the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> it, it sounds like you're trying to arrest Bo and Luke Duke. Is it any wonder that Ducat was going to get busted down to diplomatic service? He brought home a bajassian, Ben. And and you can't do that. In his land, you can't do that. And I mean, he's kind of going for like the sad puppy dog sympathy play with Kira. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She's not really into it, though. Yeah, and that's going to be something to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the episode, I think. The degree to which she does in public Kira and in private Kira with someone that she uh, is supposed to hate for a variety of very good reasons. Right. Like, I think that their relationship is really different in this episode in a way that felt like it really honored the trip they took to the Breen slave camp or whatever. They're never going to be like friend friends, but they're familiar with each other. And, you know, like he walks into her quarters and it's not like grab a gun and flip the couch backwards and and use it as cover. It's Uh what the fuck are you doing here? Like they're comfortable in each other's presence. There's like a comfortable animosity with them that makes scenes where they're together fun, Mm -hmm. but also tinged with that conflict. Ben, do leggets wear tighter pants? Than gulls because Gull Dukat was famously hanging massive dong <laughs> in that last episode, and uh, dong does not seem to be a character in this episode the way it was before. Yeah, well, I think part of it is that they're not outside ever, so we never get the yeah. full sun on groin <laughs> that we got <laughs> in, in that uh, previous episode he was in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I think you might be right that that uh, that gulls are are wearing a slightly looser, like a relaxed fit pant. Yeah. And uh, in, in those great big boots that... The gulls of... wear more of a Jinko jean type of <laughs> pant versus a, versus a slender, yeah. uh, narrower cut, a yeah, pencil yeah. cut. The, uh, the leggets are in like a 501. Right, yeah. The gulls are, are raving. Uh, Ducat is there to escort Kira to his ship, which is the USS Drain Cleaner. It's a, <laughs> it's a cargo ship that looks like it's made to uh, get hairballs out of bathroom sinks. Oh man, I recently uh, had to do the uh, the hairball out of the out of the tub drain. Yeah, I I did that less than a month ago. That is, uh, I want to bleach my eyes afterwards. It's bad. It's so it's so bad. I was at the grocery store. With one item in my hand, drain, drain, you know, like like liquid plumber, basically. Uh huh. Famous comedian Nick Thune at the at the same grocery store says, "Hey Ben, how you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "Just just buying some drain cleaner to clean out my tub. It's gonna be great." <laughs> you will not believe the day I'm about to have, Nick Thune. Yeah. Nick's like, "Let me stop you there. I'm gonna continue with my day being incredibly cool and awesome." <laughs> yeah. Being ten times funnier and more handsome than everybody. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. It, like, I was like, how am I not buying something less embarrassing like tampons or condoms? <laughs> you know? I'm shocked that you went liquid instead of stick. Stick does not fuck around. Well, the liquid only worked so well. I mean, it, it worked yeah. a little bit, but then I wound up having to disassemble the, the drain yeah. and, and really get in there. Oof. There is a sound that the uh, post-drain cleaner hairball makes when it uh, leaves the orifice of a tub. Yeah. I almost want to like roll it in a tarp and bury it in the woods. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like take it out of your house at like 2 a.m. so yeah. your neighbors don't see what's going on. Tie a cinder block to it and like <laughs> sink it in a lake. <laughs> it's bad. They're out on their way to this conference and, uh, and they're on this freighter that Ducat is the captain of. And uh, a familiar face is also aboard, Adam. Yeah, I never thought we'd see Zial again. Yeah. She's a going concern, which is great. Yeah. She's only a good bit of foundation away from fitting in on Cardassia, but she seems unwilling to go to Clinique or whatever <laughs> to get that figured out, right? Yeah. You, you just want to trowel that in. <laughs> Make yourself a believable nose. I wondered about that because we've seen, like, like Troy underwent Romulan corrective surgery at one yeah. point, and she believed she was a Romulan for part of that episode. So if what you look like is so compromising in a society like Cardassia, I mean, maybe it's just that, like, the fact that Ducat had a an illegitimate child is such a scandal in and of itself. There's no, like, covering up the fact that she's also not fully Cardassian. Yeah. Like, like everything about her identity is problematic, so even changing what she looks like cosmetically isn't going to help. I also got the feeling from Zial's description of their relationship that he was out and proud with her, you know? Like, yeah. we're going to go out to dinner in public. We're going to be together out in the world because there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I think for her to have to make a cosmetic surgery choice would undermine what they were going for there. I understand that. I just, as somebody who thinks a lot about how great it would be to look different... <laughs> I uh, I wondered about that choice, and I, I I think you're probably right that like the power move is is living in your truth. It is the power move, but an interesting ulterior power move might be to destroy the thing that is bad from the inside by sneaking into it. You know, so like I think I think there's an opportunity here if Zial had thought to take it would be to blend in and change the culture from the inside, right? Uh, secretly. But, you know, it's a personal choice to do that, and I get it. Yeah. She and Kira have a have a really great natural chemistry as characters. I wondered, in retrospect, because Yael, like, barely had anything to do the last time we met her. And she's, like, a pretty central figure in this episode in a way that I'm like, oh, like, I wonder if they cast her for this, if they knew that this was going to be a character mm. that they did more stuff with. Yeah. Because she's really good, and and, like... They have a great vibe between them. They're catching up like old friends and like, and it makes sense. Like I imagine they would have spent like some fairly long hours together in that adventure that we didn't see. It's so much more than like occasionally you'll read the story of the reunification of a 
of a firefighter and someone that they save from a burning building. And it's always like the cool, tearful hug and hang. Yeah. But this is so much more than that. Like, that's really the core of their relationship. Like, Kira freed her from a prison camp. Yep. But they seem to be less awkward than the thing that's made for a, a newspaper picture. They have more of a connection than just yeah. the one thing. Yeah. They don't get to fully set up a hang, though, because there's a battle drill happening up on the bridge. On a freighter? They go up there, and uh, despite the fact that this is a fairly dumpy drain cleaner ship, uh, Ducat is running it like a tightly run military vessel, and they're, they're doing target practice on space rocks. I feel like if I were the captain of a dumpy class starship this is all i would want to do (laughs) it would take me so long to hump freight back and forth because all i'd be doing is shooting at rocks (laughs) great (laughs) what this kind of sets up is a crimson tide type dynamic between kira and ducat where ducat is like trying to run battle drills and she's like what the fuck this may be a lowly freighter major but it's still a military vessel and will be run in a military manner Kira's like, the fire in the kitchen may reignite. (laughs) This might not be a good time. Also, the Kirby Silver Surfer is much better than whatever the other one is. (laughs) I can't remember right now. I really liked that there were some submarine vibes on this kind of submarine-looking ship, but also that they don't didn't get totally distracted by that as a as a genre choice. Ducat is feeling inadequate about the size of his vessel, but he still has enough confidence to ask Kira to dinner. It's a Cardassian tradition, which is like, yeah, I guess it's probably a tradition on most ships. Were you expecting uh, Ducat to provide live Taspar eggs? I thought that would have been a really fun callback. I did too. What are they eating? They're, they're some, it's some kind of like large format grape leaf dumpling. Like a giant dolma? <laughs> yeah. Who knew, who knew the Cardassians loved Greek food? God, that dolma is just too big, though. Yeah. Well, what's great about a dolma right. is you can uh, you can walk around and eat it. Yeah, it's like a calzone-sized dolma. <laughs> Ducat does that thing that people will do with people they're interested in who are already attached, which is make that person they're with seem really awful and so <laughs> Ducat is like oh by the way did you know Shakar is one of the great stick men in the resistance I actually have the records yeah look at all these people he's fucked you were the only female in his resistance cell that he didn't charm which Kira had to have known right this isn't a surprise to her no yeah I mean it made me wonder did Shakar do that awful thing that some guys do, which is have sex with women that they don't want a relationship with and save it for, save it with the ones that they they actually like for, you know, oh, longer term like, prospects. Like relationship edging? Yeah. Uh. Makes me think Shakar might be a bit of an asshole. <laughs> that he strings girls along. I don't know. I mean, Kira didn't like him back then and she said as much. That's true. Ducat raises the point that she she has a bit of a history of dating men who are proximate to or or wield a lot of power. Not a wrong observation by him. Pretty astute, actually. Uh, yeah. 
and then he kind of pivots into saying like he his ambition is to reassert himself in the Cardassian power structure and with uh, more than just implication for the reason of impressing Kira. Yeah. Like he wants power so that she will like him more. To me it was less so much that she would like him and and more that she wouldn't feel sorry for him. You know, like because there's a great amount of shame involved in in being the captain of the USS Drain Cleaner. Mm-hmm. And he's aware of how bad of a look it is. I think they're both closely closely related these two these two yeah. themes. He wants her to respect him and like him, and that's hard. As long as he's driving around this rust bucket. I think he wants her to respect him and like him and do him. Yeah, that seems pretty clear. He never talks about himself as one of the great stick men, even though those pants don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> we know that he's he's got the stick for it. <laughs> <laughs> but does he know how to use it, Ben? Yeah. It's not just the size of the boat. It's also the motion of the ocean. (laughs) Uh, Their dinner gets interrupted by a decloaking Klingon bird of prey. Yeah. The the site where the conference was supposed to be is no more. It's been wiped off the map, and in in its place is a decloaking bird of prey that uh, treats, treats Dukat's ship with the amount of respect that uh, that he deserves. <laughs> they treat Tukat's ship with the amount of respect that the Star Trek industrial complex treats our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no honor in destroying a freighter, just like there's no honor in uh, recognizing us as a show. I thought it was amazing. Like they, like, they open fire on these Klingons, and the Klingons leave without even acknowledging their presence. Yeah. That, that is was amazing. ice cold Klingon shit. Yeah. The bird of prey kind of shows them their whole ass before leaving, too. Like, <laughs> like they, they sort of cross-mount the ship and then warp away. Yeah. This is another incident of Star Trek setting a very important diplomatic conference in a super vulnerable, undefended place that doesn't have that many ships around. Hey, you know what would be a great setting for a conference of this kind? Deep Space Nine. <laughs> It's like the reason you put the the UN in New York City. It's it's in like a very well established city in a stable yeah. country that doesn't have a lot of like power grabs and people being overthrown all the time. Mm. Like for whatever, you know, for whatever its faults, like everybody can get there safely and get out safely. Yeah. They opened fire on the Klingons and there's some thought of like god, we got to stop this marauding Klingon bird of prey like this is no good we can't just let them maraud around and everybody has a dog in this fight because there were both Cardassian and Bajoran diplomats in the installation that got destroyed and so Kira is actually riding for like let's go fucking kill these guys this is the moment in the episode that you have to suspend your disbelief right because at no point in this episode does Kira feel like protecting her own life she launches herself headlong into this mission she never even uh hails deep space nine and gives them an update yeah i wish like they do pay a little bit of lip service to why it has to be them like the closest cardassian warships are three days away 
But I feel like they could have also peppered in how long of a journey it was for the Gromal to get there from Deep Space Nine, and that would, like, help us understand how far out on a limb they are. Yeah. And also understand, like, why there's so much time to, like, go down and check out a cargo bay and, like, talk through the idea of how they're going to defeat these Klingons before they actually, like, have a cogent plan in place. Because... The plan is like we're gonna we're gonna go get the defensive weapons from this colony and like mount like jury rig them to the ship and and go like set a trap for the Klingons. But it takes a lot of like talking it through and and coordinating to actually get to that being the plan. You are gonna have to stop thinking like a Cardassian military officer. I really like to what degree the episode depends on your imagination for this part, because all they give you is the establishing shot of the cargo bay as yeah. the place where this weapon will live. Right. But you never see it used outside of the view screen where you see the energy discharge uh, be fired later. And I like that. Like, it's it's a little bit of television magic here. Right. Like, they they can't afford to show you this later, so they just show you the effect of it. I, I'm kind of picturing like a broadside, you know? Yeah. Like a like a um, a cannon mounted in the hull of the ship that shoots out the side of it in the way of a of a pirate ship on the high seas. I love the idea of them storing it in the cargo bay, opening up the cargo bay door, and like using it to fire out of in this way. It seems like a fairly unique idea that at, I don't know why no one's thought of it before. I really like it. The plan is is that and then also like they're getting ready for the idea of like either being boarded by the Klingons or going like hand to hand with the Klingons in some context. So one of the scenes is Kira showing Zial around a couple of different types of phaser rifle. You started this. Show me everything. Kira is like a full weapon nerd. Yeah. Didn't this feel to you like, uh, you know, our, our hit war movie podcast, Friendly Fire, <laughs> yeah. has watched quite a few Vietnam era war films. And this felt to me uh, very much like the M16 versus AK-47 argument, like right. with... The Federation version of the firearm being the M16, which which has a ton of bells and whistles and like a bunch of settings, and it's a little more complex than the Cardassian AK-47 version. But <laughs> like you could bury the Cardassian weapon in the mud and still fire it in the field. It's it's like rock solid in that same way. Yeah, and and an interesting idea to see Kira's kind of dispassionate respect for both approaches to a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Like she she's like like these are both great and in fact like the phaser rifle from the Federation is kind of the Cadillac of guns but yeah. for for your purposes Zial like let's let's go with the point and shoot AK47 yeah. when you absolutely have to kill hmm. every motherfucker in the room except no substitutes. She's rarely been more like Ripley than she was in this scene I thought. Like yeah. she she's a total badass. Kira is having some mixed feelings about this whole situation because helping Dukat because Klingons killed people is something she can ride for. There's 
a little bit of a enemy of my enemy is my friend situation. Right. Uh, but redemption for Ducat would be good for him, and things that are good for Ducat would not be good for Kira. And so she's kind of tortured by this throughout, and she kind of goes back and forth with her attitudes about and at Ducat as the episode plays out. When I look at my father, I have a hard time seeing a murderer. And when I look at him, I have a hard time seeing anything else. I would say that she and Zial have like some major disagreements, and the one thing that they can really agree on is how tortured they are by yeah. the complexities of Ducat. Right. Because Ziel is is arguing for like he's my dad and he's a great dad and he did something for me that I could, you know, never conceive of, you know, giving back to him. Yeah. But also Kira is asking her to hold in her mind that Ducat was the boot on the neck of her people. Yeah. For yeah. 50 years or whatever. And, like, Ziel is like, I understand that that's true, but I have a hard time, like, incorporating that in my assessment of him as a person because everything he's ever done in my presence has been great, aside from the time he tried to kill me and you talked him out of it. Ziel really adds some shading to Ducat's character in this episode in a useful way. They field test the weapon, and besides some some recoil damage uh they deem it ready to go but the problem is they need to find out where these klingons are going next and on the bridge they decide that that place is loval it's an outpost that looks pretty worthless from the outside but ducat says it is secretly valuable and so that's where they head it's secretly a weapons research place and uh it seems like like one of the themes of this episode is that the the intelligence that the Klingons have about the Cardassian Empire is actually a lot better than anybody imagined. The problem remains, right? Like, if the bird of prey doesn't have any respect for the USS drain cleaner, like, how do you earn a little bit of that respect? Well, you could make it seem as though your cargo is filled with something valuable. How does refined dilithium crystal sound? And so that's sort of the plan that they go in with. Like, we're going to play possum, we're going to look like a valuable piece on the game board, and we will make them engage us that way. And and hopefully the plan would be, like, they wouldn't see them as a threat. They'd want that tasty, tasty cargo. And then at the last moment, they would uh, shoot them in the crotch with their homebrew weapon. And the Klingons pull up to this planet and uh, scan them. It, it seems like the Klingons do not recognize them as the ship that fired upon them previously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a great point. I mean, you know, maybe this is like the Honda Civic of starships in this sector, where it's just yeah. like there's so many of them that you don't differentiate one from another. You're just like, they all are kind of bad at driving. Yeah, the Klingons are cargo ship racists, aren't they? <laughs> uh, the plan kind of works perfectly the bird of prey decloaks and scans them and uh and its captain ketamang doesn't believe ducat when he says they're just transporting transporter parts a lot of people think ketamang is a uh, a tranquilizer for horses but some people use it as a party drug (laughs) you got to be careful with ketamang and uh, when the bird of prey tractors them, the USS drain cleaner licks a couple of shots right into the crotch. And they knock out, like, impulse engines and weapons. 
it's not like it's not enough that they're out of the woods because the the Klingons are able to return fire a bit, but um, that's not the whole plan. Like we haven't we we were never told the entire plan, right? And uh, the other part of the plan is that Kira and Dukat and Kira and Dukat alone are going to beam over and physically beat the shit out of every Klingon aboard, and then beam everybody else. Like they they like swap the crews with the transporters. This is great. Yeah. What a fun plan. This is some fun Star Trek combat techniques that uh, I feel like are are new in this episode, you know? It gives us a little bit of column A, which is the Star Trek fight, and a little bit of column B, which is like a very interesting switcheroo. Yeah. And so the Klingons like materialize on the bridge of of the uh, of the drain cleaner and Ducat gets up to the bridge of the bird of prey and like the iPad is still unlocked and and open <laughs> and he hits the go button and takes out his old ship. Yeah, pretty rugged. Got to upgrade himself. Didn't like that ship anyway. <laughs> Didn't like it at all. It's just a sickening explosion of wet hair. <laughs> That thing was just a Klingon thirst trap, and now <laughs> I've upgraded myself. Yeah. It's a great feeling. I mean, outside of seeing a bunch of Klingons die, perhaps unnecessarily, like the takeover of a bird of prey like this feels very triumphant. Yeah. And Dukat is just too messant over <laughs> his achievement. Like, he is, like, he's seeing his promotion now. Like, there's so much value on that unlocked iPad on the bridge. Like, they, they, they see the entire plan for these Klingon raiders. Yeah. So he's like, there's no way that, that, the, that the Cardassians are going to keep me bust down working these chicken shit operations. Like, I'm going to be back into tight pants before I know it. <laughs> I can al- already feel the restrictive pants. Kira is like enthusiastic about this. She's like, she's nerding out about all of the intelligence that they're getting off of this computer also. This is a thing that TV shows do, right? The more confident you are about an outcome, the less likely that outcome is to be. It felt like it was going to be the end of the episode. Like, uh, like we had an adventure and it ended in a yeah. win for everyone. And it's not. Like, there's still like 10 minutes of episode left. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. And that is a uh, that is a looming 10 minutes here. I think that's a bad sign if you're Gold Ducat, right? Right. He, look, he looks at the runtime of the ep and he's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he looks down at the little, the little playhead moving across the screen. Oh, yeah. no, Major. He's like, I'm going to go make my demands in the ready room. I'll be back in a second. And there's like an elliptical edit that shows a passage of time that lets us know that the FaceTime does not go well, Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he emerges from his room all backlit and slouchy. And yeah, uh, yeah he's sad. He's sad to cut now. I really know that feel, right? The thing where you yeah. like this is really gonna like make things at work better. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna go in for my for my annual review. I'm gonna let my boss know about some things that I think could really improve sit- the situation around here. And going forward, it's all gonna be better. I'm so optimistic about this, and uh, 
and yet your boss does not hear the things that you would like to see see changed and in fact yeah. kind of rebukes them i can think of about a dozen times that's happened in my professional life where you know you make a really strong case for a thing yeah and there's and and the dismissal is always budget right yeah well like eight of those eight of those times were probably you talking to me about something we could do with the show yeah it's a real bummer yeah i really i I I really suck as a partner i feel ducat in this scene (laughs) which one is ducat like which one's got the bigger dong oh man i don't want to know the answer to that I don't think that uh, podcast partners should know each other's dick size. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's never discuss it again. <laughs> so Ducat, like, after taking one really on the nose with this FaceTime, emerges with kind of a counter plan. He momentarily is, like, really upset about his circumstances and that and and this doesn't just go for Ducat personally. It goes for the Cardassian people. He sees his race as beaten and defanged. What is the point of being a military advisor to a government that won't fight? And he kind of ramps himself up into a, like, first contact Picard person here. Like, he's the only one that knows how to make them warlike again. He really does, yeah. And... He finally gets himself into the point where he's like, you know what? I alone can fix this. Starting here and on this bird of prey, like we can do some recruiting. We can get a resistance going. And guess who's great at resistance? It's Major Kira. If only Kira would be like my XO on this, I think we could really put this thing back together. You know how to organize a resistance cell? You're an expert in terrorist tactics. You have close ties with Bajoran and Federation officials. And besides all that, it would give you a chance to do what you were meant to do. No, thanks. I've already got a job. Oh. I thought her, her her performance in this was great because he is like, he is really laying it on thick. And you don't get anything from her in terms of like being tempted even in the slightest. He does that thing, though, where he fills up all of the oxygen with his own words. Like, he doesn't give her a chance to say no by continuing to make the case. Yeah. It's a really long monologue by Mark Alamo here. Like, it's a lot to read, and he does it great. He sucks up all the oxygen in the room out of of insecurity, right? Like, if, if I let her say something, she'll talk herself out of it, and I'm talking her into it. Right. Can't let her do that. Can't let her. And so, I mean, I, I, th- I think eventually he's interrupted by Damar, uh, mm-hmm. one of his lieutenants, and uh, has to, you know, leave her with a think about it major. But yeah, um, but it's pretty clear in that moment that he is not going to get the thing that he wants. No. But even though what he wants is Kira to be his right hand, Kira, like mm-hmm. the mission will continue. He's going to go out and do this. And Kira sees this as an opportunity to free Zial from what could be a pretty terrible future. Like, Kira knows what it's like to live as a part of the Resistance. She knows what it did to to her. And it's damage that she continues to realize as she lives her life. Like, Zial has not been corrupted by her circumstances, even though they were awful in that prison camp. And uh, she doesn't want resistance to be a part of her story and so her counter proposal is why don't you let me take Zial back to DS9 
like the episode really makes you think about what ZL's life has been like up till now. Yeah. And Kira's sympathy for that and outrage over that is so real. Yeah. Like the fact that she lived in a prison camp until she was like 19 or whatever and then had to go live on a planet that hated her guts for what she represented. She's known nothing but hate and so little love. It's such an amazing switcheroo that after Ducat tried so hard to persuade Kira of a major life change that she is able to persuade him again of a major yeah. life change. It's a good and selfless thing that Kira is doing here. Uh, in offering to rescue Ziel, but it has the consequence of George leaving his hat behind at his girlfriend's apartment because... I do a leave behind. Keys, gloves, scarf. I go back to her place to pick it up. Date number two. Now she's stuck with Ducat as a part of her life. Like, as long as she's the custodian for this girl... Right. Uh, they're always going to be in touch, and this is something that Ducat relishes. But Kira is willing to pay that price to do the right thing for Zial. Yeah, the button on the episode is the bird of prey decloaking at DS9 and Zial being dropped off with Kira. And uh, Odo gets that it's a long story sort of conclusion to the episode. Like, who is this? <laughs> we don't have time. Look at, the, look at the runtime of this episode, Odo. We don't have time to go into it. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Fine. This is my only line of dialogue. <laughs> also, I'm weirdly not strange around you after the last episode. <laughs> all, all of the pain I was going through at the end of the last episode has dissipated, and we just have a normal relationship now. Wait, is, is this who I'm supposed to have meetings with now? <laughs> Some sort of meeting surrogate? <laughs> I'll see if I can fall in love with her instead. I hope she likes piping hot Ractagino. <laughs> if she can do that same O face when she drinks it, I think we'll get along, Major. Morn, morn, morn. Sweet morn, morn, morn. You need everybody? Morn, stop. Have a time. Did you like this episode, Ben? I really did. This feels like one of those those ones where, like, they're like it starts feeling like a. Who gives a shit? This won't be a consequential episode. Episodes, yeah. and then it really got its hooks in me, and I was on the edge of my seat. And I think it, like, the story structure is really good, and and it, like, when the twists happen, they're surprising and engaging and compelling. Like, I, I really liked it. Yeah, it really felt small to me. Throughout, almost to the degree that, like, when we get back to DS9, I was, uh, like, I was shaken by it, by the scale change, because, you know, for so much of the episode, we're on that tiny ship, we're on yeah. Ducat's tiny ship, or we're on the Bird of Prey, and it's it's fairly claustrophobic in both areas. But the story itself is also a small story too. Like, it it involves these three characters, and it's really well and efficiently told. I would say that my main criticism of the episode is that. Like, they never talk at all about what happened in the Klingon Empire that, like, I don't know if, like, the, if they had, like, some kind of engineering breakthrough or science breakthrough or whatever, but, like, birds of prey don't have chain-dragging sound effects on them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was a software up upgrade right there, right? <laughs> one technology that's never changed for us, Ben, is, uh, is our priority one message inbox. You want to see what we have over there? I do. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. The solid technology still on yeah. 1.0. <laughs> yeah. Nothing nothing runs like a deer. <laughs> Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. It is for a podcast called Beer with Buffy. <laughs> the message goes like this. Looking for a great podcast? Always. Check out Beer with Buffy. <laughs> Leisurely partake in honoring TV's legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer as rock star co-hosts Rex and Josh regale you with subversive wit <laughs> and self-ascribed analytical genius. Indulge in their satirically inflated egos as they selflessly donate their livers to celebrating a great TV show. They're pretty amazing if they do say so themselves. <laughs> and they do! Satirically! Every Monday on beerwithbuffy.com and all your favorite platforms. That was ad copy, Ben. That was especially alliterative, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's a real tongue twister. Yeah, uh, so search for Beer with Buffy on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And definitely not Luminary. New episodes drop every Monday. That sounds like a great show, and uh, one you should listen to instead of this one. Adam, our next Priority One message is of a personal nature. It's from KK, and it's to Mikey B. It goes like this. To my loving husband, you are the best thing that's ever happened to me. I love you more than Picard loves tea, Earl Grey, hot, more than Riker loves consent and Troy loves chocolate. Your love and support means everything to me. Even though you keep trying to make me watch Star Trek Enterprise, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. Wow. Hey, uh, Mikey, lay off on the Star Trek Enterprise, okay, if you want this thing to last? <laughs> Kay is telling you what not to do. Listen to Kay. Kay knows best. Well, uh, if you have a bit of relationship advice or uh, an ad for a podcast project you're working on or anything else, really, we'll read anything as a priority one message. To make that happen, you go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, both of which go a long way in supporting the greatest generation. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. Yeah, so when Kira and Dukat board the Bird of Prey, <laughs> I want to say there's like five seconds of establishing shot before they beam in. And it is clearly like the oil-fueled boiler room that powers the ship. Uh-huh. And it's a couple of Klingons uh, tending to it and one Klingon just taking a break, just sitting on his ass, waiting to be Star Trek fought. <laughs> <laughs> and the Klingon just sitting, waiting to be beaten up, that's my Shimoda. Because they beam in and he's like, what the what? <laughs> and then, dude, she gets like thrown into the furnace. Yeah. That he's, guy, uh, not like, paying attention. On the contrary, this is a, a man who wants to die with honor, seeing a great opportunity for that. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, it's still a Shimoda move. He's an entrepreneur. He sees an opportunity. Yeah. He sees a need. <laughs> He's going to fill it. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Adam, my drunk Shimoda is Kira. 
there's that moment of dejection where he comes back and he's like, they're going to make me the chief military advisor to the Datapa Council again. They're not going to upgrade me to like some kind of war fighting legate because they're so peace oriented. Kira's way of comforting him is, is like, we'll take the job and go back and try and convince them to become more militaristic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand that she's, like, trying to comfort him, and I I believe that she would try and comfort him, but also counseling him to lobby for a more militaristic footing for Cardassia is not in character, and it's insane, and... Yeah, she should not be writing for that. Yeah. I think this is one of those episodes that makes Kira into more of a giving kind person than (laughs) what is maybe true to her motivations essentially yeah and it works in advancing the story but i mean i think this is consequential stuff when you're when you're shading in some of her lines you know yep this is an evolving situation i think gotta keep her eye on this evolving situation (laughs) gotta get that get that gold press A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode is season four, episode 14, The Sons of Moog. Cast out of Klingon society because of Worf's dishonor, his outcast brother asks Worf to kill him. Boy, there's some interesting grammatical choices in that show description. <laughs> Holy shit. Worf's brother, who either stands too close or too far away, it's Kern! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm excited to see him again, and, uh, uh, yeah. and Tony Todd with him, right? All of the all of our typesetting nerd fans are gonna love that joke, Adam. <laughs> I see you. I see you, typesetting nerds. Uh, yeah, Tony Todd. Is this his second time on the show this season? Oh, I mean, we're not supposed to talk about the first time he appeared this season, Ben. Oh no, that didn't go well for anyone. <laughs> But yeah, I think so. Uh, looking forward to it. Do you uh, do you want to tell us how we're going to be doing this episode, Adam? Got to do that. And uh, it's not really me telling you how, Ben. It's Game of Buttholes. Will of the Prophets. It's here to do it. Uh, our runabout is on square 13 at the moment. And one, two, three, four, five ahead. We've got a Quarks Bar episode. That's the only one in range of any consequence to us, so. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Here we go, I'm gonna roll a magic die. And uh, like, I feel like 80% of my rolls, <laughs> I've rolled a one. Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. So weird. <laughs> Putting us on square 14. That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a cold thrower. Yeah. You wanna you wanna bet the don't pass line when I've got the the dice in my hands. You wanna bet the dark side on Adam. Yeah. Always coming up snake eyes. Yeah. Well, uh, there we are with snake, that snake eye. And uh, here we are with some thanks for uh, for listening to the Greatest Generation. Who helps us make this show, Ben? So Not many just people. Us. Uh, card daddy Bill Tilly who uh, we talked about earlier in the show and also JJ Lendl who makes uh, kind of movie poster style uh, poster art for every episode of Deep Space Nine posted on Twitter on Sunday before our episode drops and uh, you can follow 
along with all of the great artwork that people make by using the hashtag greatestgen. Adam's on Twitter, at CutForTime. I'm on there as at BenjaminAHR. If you want to see all of these cards that Bill Tilly makes, he's on Twitter at BillTilly1973. And I'm pretty sure before I left Facebook, there were some uh, there were some galleries there, like organized by season of all of the cards that he's made. Uh, oh, yeah. So join join the Facebook. If you're going to be on Facebook. You shouldn't. Uh, j- if you're going to be, though, join that Greatest Gen group. It's... Uh, from what I hear, it's a lot of fun. I'm not I'm not casting judgment. Like, no ethical consumption in capitalism, but fuck Facebook. You know I agree. I'm a happier person for not being there. Yeah, it, I was thinking the other day about how much happier I am since I since I shut it down. Yeah. It's a, so it's much happier. Big positive. Uh, also a big positive to our show uh, is the music and... We have a couple of people responsible for that. It's Dark Materia who created the original theme music for the show, which was subsequently chopped and screwed by our pal Adam Ragusia, who is now of YouTube video fame. Yeah. Be sure to check out his work there. Search Adam Ragusia on YouTube and watch all his great cooking videos. Uh, we would appreciate your support over at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Monthly support is how we keep the show going. Uh, sure is. Psychic support can be provided by leaving us a five-star review on uh, wherever you get your podcast. It helps spread the word about our show, makes us respectable yeah. to the Star Trek industrial complex. Yeah, and uh, if you've already done that, uh, just recommend the show to a friend or colleague or family member. Um, you know, every every new listener is great news for us, and we really appreciate all of the support we've had in that. And I think that just about does it, Ben. We'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that, uh... See, I can't do another kerning joke here. I blew it! I blew my kern joke too early! (laughs) Oh, man. Just... Ah! Oh, no. tripped and fell over the finish line. I wanna wanna just command Arrow this this conclusion and, like, scooch it closer to the rest of the waveform, but I, I can't. I can't do it. It sucks. If if there had been a, a second one earlier, you could have this could have been a rule of threes, and you don't even have that opportunity. No, no, I didn't set it up. Bad setup, bad conclusion. The, I think the moral of the story is we fucking suck. <laughs> I'm hitting stop. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.